man, it is great to see you this morning. Wonderful to have you worshiping uh, with us like the angels. We proclaim glory to the newborn king. And so uh, it's uh, one of my favorite songs at Christmas time. And glad that we can sing that and share that together. Uh, we're only 10 days out. Men, I, I told you I was your friend. I was going to keep reminding you, right? We're only 10 days out uh, from Christmas. You, you really only have um, a week uh, left, about seven days left before you can't even get your stuff delivered on time from Amazon, right? And so make sure you, uh, you get it done uh, this week. Uh, as, as I was scouring uh, uh, Amazon for different Christmas gifts and stuff, a friend uh, sent me something and, and made me aware of a, of a game that's available out there that unfortunately I think says all too much about the way many people approach Christmas. And uh, it's this new game out called Santa versus Jesus, the epic party game, right? Now, as I started to think about that, I started to think, wow, that, that's pretty sad because it's not the epic party game, it's actually the eternity game, isn't it? It, it, and, and the reality is, is that, you know, so for a lot of people, they, they kind of take an either-or approach to this whole, you know, the, the Christmas and the Santa thing, orgies. And, and, and I believe that, that, that really we can, we can celebrate all that God has for us and that Santa's not, you know, some evil thing. But if we don't get Jesus in the right place, okay, then things quickly fall apart on us this Christmas. How many of you feel a little rushed and busy this Christmas season? Yeah? How, how many of you feel a little bit like, oh man, you know, the finances are a little tight and everything else, everybody, yeah? Yeah. How many of you feel like, boy, I, I really wish I could kind of get a grip on, you know, my schedule and my relationships and all that stuff this Christmas? Anybody, anybody with me? Okay, yeah, we're, we're looking for participation this morning, all right? Uh, so um, I know sometimes we're waiting for the caffeine to kick in, but we're in week three of our Advent series that we've been calling the Christmas Playlist. Uh, where we are listening to the Christmas story this year in kind of a musical fashion because the first two chapters of, the, of Luke's account of the birth of Jesus, they, they are in, in those accounts we, we find four songs that are oftentimes overlooked when it comes to the Christmas story. But in the reality, uh, when Jesus erupts into the world scene, the world erupts into singing. And, and so in, in week one, we looked at Mary's song of faith, where despite the fact that God's plan would interrupt her plan, that it would make life difficult for her, uh, Mary allowed her faith to be bigger than her plans. And she trusted God, and because she did, she delivered the one who would then deliver the world. And last week, we met an elderly couple who had done everything right, even in the eyes of God, yet their dreams for starting a family had eluded them. Their story reminds us that you can do everything right and still experience pain and suffering and disappointment. Uh, but we also learned that, that prayers don't have expiration dates. In the prayers that we pray, God is faithful. And that God always does answer, sometimes not the way we want, but God is faithful to answer. And, and late in life, this couple was blessed to be the parents of John the Baptist who would prepare the world for the coming Messiah. And after Zachariah's disbelief strikes him mute, and after nine months for him to think about his disbelief, the moment that his tongue is loosened, a song of praise comes forth from Zachariah's Mouth. And now today we're going to look at probably the most famous, but also the shortest 
of all of the original Christmas playlist songs. And it's, the, it's one verse, one verse long, uh, only 18 words. We'll, we'll kind of look at it in context. Um, but that song was the song sung by the choir of angels when they sang to announce the birth of the Savior. Now, question is this. When it comes to angels, do you believe? Are you a believer? In the summer of uh, 1991, we were, Brenda and I were driving home from Colorado Springs uh, after visiting Brenda's dad. Um, we, our oldest daughter, Brianne, she was only 18 months old. And uh, Brenda was very expectant with our second daughter, Hillary. And as we drove uh, home from Colorado Springs back to home here to Newberry Park, uh, we drove through St. George, Utah, and then Mesquite, Nevada. And at one point, uh, right about the time we were entering Mesquite, Nevada, uh, Brenda looked over and she looked at me and she says, "Uh, how are you doing on gas? Do you think you have enough to make it, right? To which I answered, it'll be close, but I think we can make it to Vegas, Okay, now this is called foreshadowing, okay, because, uh, I mean, there's something that happens in the male brain when we're driving, Uh, it's like part of our logic and reason kind of turns off, and we can't hear anything, especially the voice of our wives, okay, while while we're driving, okay, I just know that that seems to happen, and so as we entered, started to come into the north of Las Vegas, it became apparent that my calculations were not very accurate, Right? And so we ran out of gas and we coasted to a stop on an overpass, but there, was, there, there were like no exits uh, for miles in either direction. Okay? So we're on this overpass and I'm looking around and it's hot in the summer and I'm thinking, at first I was thinking, okay, I'll just leave Brenda here, I'll go get gas, but then it was so hot and we didn't want it to be so hot in the car, I thought, okay, I'll take her with me. And so we get Brianna out of the car, I put Brianna on my shoulders and immediately she's a little thing sweating and Brenda's incredibly expecting. And so we're walking down the embankment, down uh, below the overpass and we start making our way towards the kind of the, the buildings and things we can see, hoping that we could find somebody or find a gas station or anything like that. And so as we started to walk, we quickly realized that we were in an area of the city that, um, the, I, the one word I would just use to describe it is ghetto, right? And uh, Brenda, she just turns to me at one point, she taps me on the shoulder and we realize that there's a group of people following us, okay? And um, you know, and, and so we started to get a little bit worried, and we, we turned a corner towards one little neighborhood area, and immediately, all of a sudden, this little car, this little truck comes pulling up beside us. The window rolls down, and the lady in the passenger seat looks at us and says, you aren't supposed to be here. You're in danger. Get in. And we just were like, okay. I mean, sounds kind of crazy, right? Like... But we got in the car. I jumped. Brenda gets in with, uh, with uh, you know, being expecting, gets in with Brianna's lap. I jump in the back seat, and they take us over to a gas station. Interesting thing was we never even told them we were out of gas. Okay? They take us directly to a gas station, and we get some gas. I still have the little gas can at home, kind of a symbol of our miraculous, uh, you know, rescue. And so we... Um, we get the gas, they take us back, I start to put the gas in the, in the car, and I turn around to thank these people, and it's like they vanished, literally vanished. We, we jump back in the car, and Brenda and I are kind of looking at each other, kind of like, what in the world just happened? And just then I looked at Brenda and I said, I don't know, do you think maybe God sent some angels to watch out for us? I don't know, what do you, what do you think? 
do you think that it's possible that we had just met some heavenly helpers? How many of you think yes? Yeah? According to the Bible, it very well may have happened. Because the Bible does speak. There's over 300 different verses about angels. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it speaks about the fact that angels are the ones who are sent to take care of those who have received salvation. And so the people who have received salvation, who place their faith in Jesus, it tells us that angels are out to care for us. And that should bring us incredible comfort. Like I said, the, out of the hundreds of passages um, that talk about the existence of angels, there's a number that tell us that the angels are watching over and protecting God's people. And if you ask me, do I believe in guardian angels? Well, I would say I'm not real sure that we just get one guardian angel that's kind of assigned to us for all of our lives. If so, I'm in big trouble. The minute I get to heaven, mine will probably beat me up okay, for all of that I put them through. But if you were to ask me, you know, do I believe in, in angels watching over us and keeping guard over us? I would say absolutely. And I think that the Bible story uh, confirms that. But the main job that we find of angels, if we look at all the encounters that angels have throughout Scripture, the main job of the angels is to be messengers of God, to be the ones that, that bring the message about what God is up to in the kingdom. And they break through from the unseen into the seen world, and they tell us what God is doing in the realms of what we can't even see or imagine. And you simply cannot believe God's word is true and not believe in angels. And I believe that they are much closer than any of us would think. And this should bring us incredible comfort and peace. So we want to take a closer look at the angel encounter in the Christmas story that the angels had uh, with the shepherds. So join me in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8 where it says this. Maybe for you it's very familiar words where it says, And there were, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? They weren't excited? They were terrified, right? They were absolutely terrified. Uh, like both Mary and Zechariah, the shepherds were visited by an angel. The question is, why the shepherds? I mean, when I started to think about this, as I kept reading the story, I thought, you know, why did the angels show up to the shepherds? I mean, why couldn't their timing have been just a little bit better? Why didn't the angels show up and talk to all of the innkeepers in Bethlehem and say, hey, somebody save a room for this young couple that's on their way to town? Why didn't they show up and, and surprise Herod and tell Herod, hey, the king really is coming and, and therefore save all the lives of the babies that Herod had slaughtered? I mean, why is it that he, they came to the shepherds? The shepherds were the, the social outcasts of the day. They, they, they lived in the fields with all of the sheep. And have you ever smelt a sheep? Well, if you smelt a sheep, you've smelt a shepherd. Okay? And the shepherds weren't even allowed. Uh, there's good evidence, uh, historical evidence, to, to say that the uh, shepherds uh, were not even allowed within the temple gates. Um, so they weren't even allowed to come into the temple area for worship. They, they were distrusted. Um, they weren't allowed. Their, their testimony was not admissible in court in these days. I mean, these were people who were totally socially outcast. So why, why if no one would believe their word, why all of a sudden did the angels come to them and make them the ones who would carry the message of Jesus? Well, I think, quite honestly, it's because Jesus came to save 
the least of these. And the angels wasted no time proclaiming his arrival to the least of these. And the shepherds then uh, see the angel and they react just like Mary and Zechariah. They, they act in fear. They're terrified. Okay, not just spooked a little. They are terrified. Now, but what was the first four words that every angel says when he first uh, meets somebody? What's the first four words that any angel says? Yeah, do not be afraid. Verse 10 says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. This angel went to angel school, all right? This is what they tell him. This is the first thing you say to anybody because they're going to be terrified, okay? Because it happens over and over again in Scripture. The first thing you have to tell people is do not be afraid. And these angels say, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, do not be afraid, the angel said. I, I believe if the angel showed up today, he would, he, uh, we would all be freaked out. Okay, I, I really believe that. And, and if the, I think the angel would immediately tell us the same thing that the angel has always said. Do not be afraid. Fear not, the angel might say. Throughout scripture, the angels show up to different people. And the first words they say is, do not be afraid. To Abraham, when God first met him, he says, do not be afraid. To Hagar in the desert, the angel said, do not be afraid. To Joshua, who was uh, approaching the promised land, the angel says, do not be afraid. To Gideon, who was uh, supposed to be so becoming one of the judges of Israel, he, the angel said, do not be afraid. The, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we hear the words, do not be afraid. To Daniel in the lion's den, we hear, do not be afraid. To Mary, fear not. To Joseph, do not be afraid. To the shepherds, do not be afraid. The message that the angels bring, and I think would bring us today, is this. The most important message is, folks, don't be afraid. But how many of us are afraid? How many of you have fears in your lives? Anybody struck with any kind of fears? Yeah. I agree with Max Lucado, he, uh, an author that I really like. He, and he says these words. He says, Fear has got our world by the throat. We live in a day and age when count, there are countless reasons for fear. Economic, ec economies teeter on the edge. Nuclear disaster just, uh, is just a press a, of a button away. There, there's violent rulers occupying seats of authority around the world. Uh, there's terrorists everywhere. There are we are bombarded with personal fears of, of illness, cancer, debt, and relationship struggles. People do not know where to go with their fears. Our secularism has siphoned the bravery out of the hearts of people, and we have mocked the existence of a creator, and therefore it has left a generation with nowhere to turn to answer their fears. Anxiety is plaguing our children because, we, because they have not been taught that there is a God who, in whom they can depend, a God who will show up in the fiery furnaces of life. No wonder so many of us are living in fear. But no matter what your situation is today, I still believe that the angels would come to each one of us and say those words, do not be afraid. And why should we fear not? Well, the same reason that the angel told the shepherds we should not fear. He, the angel said, because I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's all the people. Not just a few. It's for all the people. That's why I came to the shepherds. That's why, that's why everyone is to hear the message. I mean, look at verse 11. I mean, what is this good news? The good news is this. In verse 11 it says, Because today, in the town of David, a what? A Savior has been born to you. 
Okay, that's the good news. The Savior has been born, and he's been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So there is a Savior. That's the, that's the, the best part of the good news. There is a Savior, and the second part is this. You can find him. There is a Savior, and you can find him. He, he's not hiding out in the stable in Bethlehem. He, he's not trying to not be found. He's in a place, though, that is humble, that is lowly, that you might not expect the king of kings to come, but, but he can be found by you, and the angels give them directions. The angels say, hey, you know what? You can find him. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby. He's the one wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. I, I'm guessing there was only one of those that night in Bethlehem, Right? And so the, the, there is a Savior, and we can find him. Even the shepherds, the outcasts, even you and me, we can find the Savior. Now, where, where is it that you've been looking to alleviate all of your fears? What, what are you hoping can save you from your fears? And how is that working for you? You see, only Jesus can truly save us from our fears. So will you, like the shepherds, will you go and seek Jesus out. I mean, ultimately, our, our ultimate fear is death. But Jesus is the one who came to defeat death, and so we don't even have to be afraid of that anymore because he is the one who is victorious. And, and then the angels, the angel, the one angel that was talking to him, then he's joined by the multitude of heavenly hosts, and, and they can't contain themselves, and they burst into song in the night sky, and they say, and here's the song, or here's his words, he says, suddenly the great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I mean, that's the song, that one verse. Verse 14 is the song the angels sing. And so I want you, to, I want you to, to proclaim this with me, okay? I want you to sing this as if you're one of the angels, okay? So, so just kind of proclaim this out with me, okay? Are you ready? Everybody's ready? Okay. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Yeah, that, that was the song. Now, here's what's amazing. It's a short song, right? I started going back and looking at everywhere in the Bible that the angels spoke. Do you know that angels are people of very few words? Okay? They're, they're not like pastors. Okay? When, when, when an angel speaks, man, their words are weighty, but their words are few. I, I mean, everywhere you go, they have very, I mean, Fear not, and then they usually have one or two sentences, and that's about it. Angels don't have to use a whole lot of word. I, I think their presence says it all. And, and they come, and even in their songs, the song that the angels, that in the Revelation, the song that we know that the angels are singing over and over again in heaven is, is also a very short song. It's, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I mean, it's that short. You know, they don't have verse after verse after verse. They, they, just, they just sing. And everything they say is short. And the song here is so short, but it's so powerful. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace on those to whom, on whom his favor rests. See, they recognize God for who he is. And when they recognize him for who he is, they can't help but worship. They can't help but sing. If we were in the presence of God, I believe we wouldn't be able to help but sing either. I mean, we all want peace, right? That's what the angels say. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth, right? 
I mean, how many of you would like some peace in your life? Anybody? How, how, would you, how many of you would like a little more peace in your, in your house, in your home? Anybody like a little more peace at home? Okay. All right. Now make sure you're playing along here, okay? I mean, how many of you would like uh, peace in your finances? Anybody like peace in your, oh, okay, we got some big hands up. Yeah, especially around Christmas season, right? I mean, it's crazy how much debt we all go into at Christmas time. How, how many of you would like a little bit more peace when it comes to your schedule, your calendar, anybody? Anybody a little bit, yeah, need a little peace in your, in your calendar? You know, how about, how about peace at work? Anybody want some peace at work? Yeah, how, how about peace in relationships, peace, peace in, yeah, peace in your marriage? Okay, how many of you would like a little peace? Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, here's the good news. The good news that should bring us great joy is this, is that there is a God who is gloriously ruling in heaven and on earth he wants there to be peace. He wants peace to come. We all want peace, but it seems so elusive. We can do open heart surgery. We can send a man to the moon, but we cannot create lasting peace on earth. It doesn't matter how many world leaders you get in a room. Even if they were to all agree, there's no way we're going to create peace on earth. It's outside of our scope of ability. You you know what? The the problem is, is that somehow we all believe that if we just all play nicer, there will be more peace. And I can tell you, that might work for a moment or two, but it's not going to last. If you leave it up to us, the peace won't last because we can't create it, okay? I mean, this is so important for us to understand. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit, okay? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and on and on, okay? It's a fruit of the Spirit. It can only be had when the Spirit of the living God is living inside of us. And what the angels recognize is this, is when we give glory to God in heaven, we will have peace on earth, okay? When we put God, when, when we recognize God and put him in the, his rightful place, that we will have peace on earth, Okay, we don't have to wait to get to heaven to have peace. We can have peace on earth because we can have peace in our hearts because we put Christ at the center. And when we give glory to the God of heaven for everything that he's done and everything that he will do, if we recognize that he is in charge and he is sitting on the throne, then we can have peace even in the midst of difficulty. See, peace is not about our circumstances it is peace is about aligning it's not about aligning things in our lives so that we can get the maximum comfort and benefit peace is not about just playing nice okay peace is about putting god where he ought to be and allowing his presence to bring peace to us so here's the question does he have the highest place in your life? Is his word above every other word that is trying to catch your attention? Is his time schedule the one that you relinquish things to? See, I mean, in your home, is Christ first in your home? If Christ is first in your home, then even if there's a little bit of chaos, I mean, then there can be peace. Is Christ first in your marriage, because without it, you know, you can be nice, but, but you won't experience peace. 
Is Christ at the center of your finances? And, and I'm not talking about just kind of like tipping God for a good service or something like that. I mean, do we really put God first in terms of how we handle our finances? You know why? The Bible is filled with God's promises about what he will do if we'll pay attention to his financial advice. Okay, And, and if we do, he'll bring peace to our finances. What about our calendars? I mean, how many of you would admit that there's a little too much on the calendar this holiday season? Anybody else? Okay. If you want peace, then you have to seek God. You have to put him in his rightful place and make sure that he is put first when it comes to your schedule. I mean, at work, are you putting Christ first in how you do your work and in your Christmas celebration? Okay. I mean, that, that's where the Santa game comes in, right? In your Christmas celebration, what do you put first? Are, are, are you more concerned with, with, with the buying and getting and receiving of gifts? Are you more concerned with the, the parties and the food and the, the other things? Are you more concerned with all that? Or are you more concerned with adoring Christ the Lord who came as the Savior of the world that we celebrate this Christmas season because only he can create peace. Wherever he is left out of the picture or wherever he is put in second place or lower, there will be chaos and there will be strife. But where we put Christ first, we will experience a peace that the world cannot explain. Now, how do we respond to the angel's song? Okay, a peace on earth. And goodwill towards men. Well, our response should really be the same as the response of the shepherds. Look in verse 15 with me. It says this. It says, When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger. The first thing that we need to do if we're going to respond as the shepherds is we need to find Jesus. We need to find him. And the question is, what are you doing this holiday season to find Jesus? I mean, in the midst of everything else, a couple, couple years ago, at Christmas time, we did this kind of interesting exercise here. Um, we, we made a bunch of these little ornaments um, here at Christmas time, and we put them all over our trees. They're little red ones, and we got the little gold pens, and we just wrote the name Jesus. I mean, it took us hours to write Jesus on like all these little ornaments. And, and then we asked people to go and to, um, to, to look around our community, like to go to places like, you know, where people go at Christmas time, the mall, you know, different restaurants and shopping areas, even to Disneyland. And we said, hey, when you see Jesus out there, send us pictures. We didn't get many. I mean, we, we sent a whole team of people to the mall. We got back two pictures. One was like a little snow globe, right, with had a nativity in it. And one was one little ornament of, of a nativity and an angel, that was it. We couldn't find Jesus at the mall, right? We couldn't find Jesus at, at, at Disneyland, right? And so what was cool was we had people take these ornaments. We had ornaments everywhere. They were all over the trees at the mall. They were even tree at Disneyland, you know, on the big tree at the center of Disneyland because we were trying to bring Jesus there. But folks, where are you finding Jesus? Because the world is not going to provide it for you. How are you finding Jesus this Christmas? He's there to be found. He's not hiding. But will you find him? Now, 
what do we do once we do find him? Well, verse 17 and 19 says this. When they had seen him, they what? They did what? Yeah, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Now, did you hear that line? When was the last time anybody got amazed by anything that the shepherds had said? Right? They never got close enough to the shepherds to hear anything they said. They smelled bad. Right? They weren't allowed to come to church. They weren't allowed to go to the courts. They weren't allowed to be around people. But all of a sudden, everybody's amazed by what they said. Why? Because they spread the word concerning Jesus. How are you spreading the word this Christmas? What are the ways that you're making sure that Jesus enters into the conversation and into the plans and into the things that you're doing during the holiday season? Are you spreading the word of Jesus? The shepherds did. And people were amazed. Now, everybody should have got one of these. It should have been on your seat when you got in. Everybody got one? Okay, audience participation. Everybody, let me see the card. Hold it up. Wave it in the air. Right? Yeah. Got a little air's kind of nice. Yeah, like that. So, okay, everyone's got one, right? We do this every year. We tell you this every single time, okay, that we make these cards, okay? This card is not for you unless you're a visitor. If you're a visitor, we'll, we'll give you more, Okay. But this card's not for you. In fact, we want you to take all the ones that are left on the other seats. You know why? Because these, these cards are simply our way of trying to make it easy for you to spread the word concerning Jesus. Right? This is our way of helping you invite somebody to something that we're doing where they might hear the word of Jesus. Right? So yeah, on this side, you know, it has our Christmas Eve service. Did you know... Okay, the studies have been done that Christmas Eve services are one of the times that people are most likely to say yes okay, to coming to a, a Christmas uh, a service at church. Okay? So your odds are highly increased that the people who you invite might say yes. So we've given this to you so that you can say, hey, come to Christmas Eve service. And I guarantee you this, they will hear the praise of God, and they will hear the message of the gospel. Your job, invite, spread the word concerning Jesus. And now, if you have a neighbor, you know they like to eat, okay, and you're not sure they can make it for Christmas Eve services, boom, right? Say, hey, our church is crazy. We don't do normal things. We have church, and we're having a great breakfast potluck, okay, between Christmas and New Year. So on the 29th, just invite them to come and sit with you and have breakfast, right? And again, we guarantee that they'll hear us worshiping, and they're going to hear the gospel, okay? That, that's what this is all about. So this gives us an opportunity to spread the word. So be like the shepherds and spread the word. The last thing is this. In verse 20, it says, the shepherds returned, and what were they doing? All right, the caffeine has kicked in for a few of you, okay? Glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We need to live a life of worship. Live a life of worship. That, that's why we come together every week is to worship him. That's why we come together is to put Jesus front and center we come together every week to lift the name of Jesus because he not only came at Christmas time, but he lives. He, he died on the cross for us and he was resurrected. 
And he gave his life so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could have hope and joy and peace. And folks, our world is desperate for those things. And if we want to help peace to come on earth like it is in heaven, then the reality is, is that we need to share that message. See, every week we gather around the Lord's table. And every week as we do that, we celebrate what Christ has done for us. We celebrate the reality that there was a time for all of us when we were God's enemies, that our sinfulness separated us from our Heavenly Father and we were living in fear, without hope, and with no hope of peace. But because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, because he came and gave his blood, which is represented by that little cup, and, and, and allowed his body to be broken on our behalf, represented by that little piece of bread. And because Jesus did that, our sins that separated us from God can be forgiven and we can have peace with God and peace in our lives. And isn't that something that you want? And isn't that something that you hope for? And isn't that something that brings you comfort? See, the question is this. The question is not if you will worship something this Christmas the question is, where will you direct your worship? One Christmas, uh, I, I will admit, when I was a kid, there was one Christmas that I remember uh, I worshipped something other than Jesus. It was, um, it was a blue metallic Schwinn bicycle, complete with banana seat, Right? It's all I talked about. It's all I thought about. I was as obsessed with that Schwinn bicycle as, as our little grandson is with Legos, right? That's all I could talk about. It's all I wanted was a Schwinn bike. And guess what? I got it. I got it. And I rode it around the neighborhood, and I loved that thing. I loved that thing like crazy until one day we built this jump and I went off the jump, and I hit the neighbor's wall, their little fence wall, and I mangled that thing. And try as we might, me and my dad tried to fix that bike, but it ended up in the junk heap, right? Never to be ridden again. And I can tell you this, anything else that you put your hope in, anything else that you worship in life will let you down. It will end up in a pile somewhere. But Jesus, Jesus is the one thing that you can depend on and it will never let you down. He will always be there for you. In order to bring peace into your life and into the lives of others this Christmas, we have to do what the angels did. We have to make a big deal about Jesus' arrival and make a big deal about what Jesus has done for us. And that's what we do here at Communion. We put him in the right place. Will you put him in the right place this Christmas? Worship him. Find him. And share the news of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the hope we find in Jesus. Lord, we recognize that, God, we can't, we can't find it anywhere else. That everything else that we search after will, 
It just has a short shelf life. And Father, we pray that, Lord God, you would help us to truly find the one who our hearts long for. That, Lord God, you would help us, like the shepherds, to be people who will generously, generously dish out healthy portions of the love of Jesus to the people around us and spread the word concerning the Savior of the world who has come. And Father, we pray that, Lord, you would help us in our worship, that, God, you would help us to make sure that our worship and that our affections are focused solely upon you and that, God, in doing so, you will bring the hope and the peace that our hearts so desperately long for. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you and ask that you would be the Lord of our Christmas. In your son Jesus' name we pray.